years of corporate life practically sucked the soul out of me until I took a three-day trip to Sedona to reflect on life and ask the question, if I could do anything without fear of failure or worry of finances, what would it be? You ever ask yourself that question? My answer was be a chocolatier. I'd never made a chocolate in my life, but I'd tasted exquisite rare chocolate and determined I'd become a chocolatier and work exclusively with the best. I'm Chocolatier Julie, the founder of Chocolate for the Spirit. Thanks for joining this podcast. I'm sharing my journey as a chocolatier, exploring the world of chocolate, and lifting our collective spirits. Chocolate for the Spirit, indulgence for the soul. Episode 1, The Beginning. How did you start Chocolate for the Spirit? You might want to grab you a cup of coffee or something to drink and sit back and relax. I'll tell the story. I've got my coffee here and I'm ready to tell. First of all, I need to explain being a foodie. Yes, I have been a foodie as long as I can remember. Even when I was in junior high, I recall going to the library and checking out cookbooks and reading those cookbooks the way that people would read novels. So I've had that interest for a long time. My um, parents worked a lot of hours, and I was the oldest by several years of my two sisters. So that gave me ample time to be in the kitchen preparing meals and making desserts for the family. And so I really sort of got my chops going as a kid when I was at home. When I uh, was growing up, My parents didn't really take summer vacations, but what they did have is two weeks around the holidays every year. Uh, They worked for General Motors, or as we called it back then, Generous Motors, and they would shut the plants down and reconfigure for whatever they were going to do in the, uh, the next year. So that's when we had our big family time together, which, of course, was the holidays and decorations and shopping and food, lots of food. So we made things, and even though my mom really didn't like to cook, there were those family recipes that uh, she liked to make, and especially things like fudge. I often get asked as a chocolatier, do I make fudge? And we laugh and call that the F word. No, I don't make much fudge, fudge. Don't make much fudge. Um, I could make fudge, absolutely, but I don't. I leave that to others. There's so many others who do that. Keep in mind, I specialize in working with some of the world's rarest and most premium chocolate. And I think those beautiful um, flavor notes might get hidden in something like fudge. So I'll leave, leave that to others. So anyway... I used to participate in this holiday um, ritual every year and enjoyed uh, both doing it and uh, eating it, I would say. Then, um, as an adult, I had a job where I was started to do a lot of travel and became exposed to really high-quality food. And that's where I think my gourmet appetite really developed and, of course, included in that was chocolate, really good chocolate. Now, the area that I live in and grew up in, there was chocolate, and there is chocolate everywhere, and it's mostly candy-grade chocolate. Okay, so let me explain the difference there about candy-grade. 
Um, the majority of the world's chocolate comes from cacao that is grown in the Ivory Coast. And about 75%, as a matter of fact, comes from the Ivory Coast. And it's a poorer quality in just so many ways, the type of trees, the uh, growing conditions and harvesting and processing, etc. And to go to candy grade, um, it doesn't really matter if the cacao itself and the processing of it delivers a lot of flavor notes because they're going to add artificial flavor to it anyhow for the most part. So... Um, that's what's been around me most of my life. That's what I have been exposed to. But when I traveled, I started to taste chocolate that was much different. Uh, there are some, say, over 600 different flavor and aroma notes found naturally in cacao. And I started to taste chocolate that um, was made from cacao that was of extremely uh, fine flavored cacao with beautiful notes that have been preserved all through the uh, the production process. So I had a clue there was something different out there. And I actually started to locate people that sold uh, chocolate made with that quality of cacao. And that's what I was importing in and having sent to me for my personal enjoyment and for gifting. So I liked chocolate. Oh, gosh, a lot of people do like chocolate, but I had learned the difference, and there was a niche there that I was pursuing as a customer. Okay, so now back to how did I get started making chocolate. I worked in the corporate world for 30 years. I worked in IT, and I was managing multimillion-dollar IT projects and working in, in a Fortune 50 company, and every year, we were challenged to produce in relatively short time products, IT-type products, um, healthcare products for our customers that were brand new. So we were constantly, I used to say, thrown under the bus, but we were challenged. That our CEO would go sell something that didn't exist in the marketplace and then turn it over to us, in my case, my team, to get it built in a really short time frame. So after year after year of this, I lost any fear about my ability to do something and to, to move into an area that was unknown to me. Okay. Also, I might add, add that I had earned several college degrees, including a master's degree. So I knew how to learn and I also was a bit fearless, shall we say, with respect to the unknown. So I'm working in the corporate world, and with this project work, I, I think literally that I, in eight years, probably had to cancel about 10 family vacations because of project deadlines, etc. And... I was really, really, really getting burnt out and stressed, as, you know, happens with many people in the corporate world. To say that I was putting in 90-hour weeks is not <laughs> overstating things at all. It was very common that I would put in a 90-hour weeks. I loved my work, and I liked um, managing projects. However, the corporate culture, the corporate culture started to really, really, really get ugly, political, 
Um, every year, it seemed like regardless of performance, we saw excellent people moved out of the company um, for po purposes of politics for the most part. And each year in the fall, it seemed that they were cutting staff. And for one, you never knew if you would make the cut. The other thing is if, in my case, if I'm managing projects, we had projects that were due at the end of the year, and I would have key people suddenly, you know, not return from Thanksgiving. So I think you get the idea. Very stressful. Very stressful. I started to ask myself the question, is this the way that I want to continue? Uh, I'm not a spring chicken. I wasn't then. This was around 2008, by the way. And I kept thinking, you, you know, I just don't know that I want to go on like this forever. There's got to be something different that I can do to reclaim some of my soul that was being lost in this process. Also, I had a very creative nature, and more and more I found the work actually less satisfying with respect to my creativity. I finally decided that I was not going to cancel a trip that I had planned to Sedona, Arizona. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Sedona, Arizona, but I highly recommend it. Beautiful, beautiful place. It's known actually for being a very spiritual place. And it, the beauty of the red rocks and uh, the underneath the blue skies is just so inspiring. Also, during this trip, I decided to attend a, I will just generally refer to it as a creativity workshop with Julia Cameron. Who is Julia Cameron? Well, you'll have to Google her. Julia Cameron is an amazing woman who is an author, playwright, composer. She conducts workshops. Uh, she's written so many books about creativity. Back in the day, she was part of the New York Rack Pat, Pack Rat group, whatever I'm trying to say, with her then-husband Martin Scorsese and another name I will drop here that you will recognize, Steven Spielberg. Very creative group, right? She's part of this group and uh, then her and Martin got divorced, and she went on her way. She found that she developed a process to help her deal with writer's block, and she started sharing this with other people, and it eventually evolved into books and, and workshops. So I attended this creativity workshop. Now, please keep in mind that um, all of us have in us the ability to be creative, you can be a lawyer and be extremely creative. So creatives are not just the traditional arts, musicians and artists, okay? And so I attended this workshop. And during this workshop, you go, you engage with yourself very deeply to figure out what are my interests? What do I want to do? I went through the workshop, and then I sat with a workbook underneath the beautiful sky of Sedona, and I started a brainstorming session. Now, brainstorming is where you just throw everything and anything that comes to mind out there, no judgment, you just let it go. And I was very used to this process because in managing projects, that was a tool that we used as part of um, 
the project management process. So I brainstormed what interested me, what interested me, threw a lot of ideas out. Then I started to narrow it down and narrow it down and narrow it down. And I narrowed it down to two items. One was chocolate. The other one was gardening. I am a master gardener. I have five acres that we um, have developed that are beautiful, that take up a lot of time. And I kept looking at this list, looking at this list. Now, I was thinking about the practical aspect because, again, I was getting older and I thought, you know, something to do with gardening at my age, this might not be the best idea. And the idea of chocolate was really, really pulling me. So underneath the blue sky on a gorgeous day in Sedona, Arizona, I pulled out my workbook and I decided that I was going to become an artisan chocolatier. I would work with some of the world's rarest and finest chocolate, not that candy grade stuff. I had no idea at the time where I would find what I wanted to work with, how I would learn to work with it, but I knew that I could figure that out and that I would. So I set the intention and there under the sky, I named the chocolate business, chocolate for the spirit. Now don't overthink the name, what's chocolate good for? It's good for the spirit and I'm thinking at this point, Hopefully this process and launching this chocolate for the spirit business is going to be good for both my spirit and the spirit of people who enjoy my chocolate. So that's how I named it chocolate for the spirit. I returned home and I created a work plan because again, as a project manager for a living, I managed in big work plans and created work plans. So I created a work plan, Project Me, and I began working that work plan in my spare time. Keep in mind, I worked a lot of hours for my corporate gig, but I found time to make it happen. Within three months, this is what I did. I determined where I would find the quality of cacao or covature, which I'll discuss later, covature that I wanted to work with. I had brought Coverture in and I trialed and I found what I what I was looking for. So I had answered that question, sourcing of the cacao or coverture. Then I took a course, an online course, a professional chocolatiering course from a Cole Chocolat. E-C-O-L-E Chocolat. You can Google them. Many great chocolatiers have um, taken their online courses. Uh, they have many courses, and I do advise you to look them up. It's a great, great group of people, and I'm really happy that that was the beginning of my entree into this business, a wonderful foundation. Then I started working with some chocolate and studying, but there's something was missing, a little piece of something. I needed to work with somebody that was actually doing what I wanted to do, but I didn't have a lot of time to get away because, again, I had this corporate gig. So I didn't have time to get away and go, you know, to a chef school or anything like that. 
But again, I've read and I've studied on my own a lot, so I did all of that that I could, and I found a chocolatier that I could go spend literally three days with, and those three days gave me enough of an opportunity to take all this information that I have absorbed in my reading and studying and looking at things online and then envision it happening in a real environment and it put all the pieces for me together so that when I returned, I had a really good idea what I needed to do to begin making chocolates. And I did. So that's the beginning of the story of Chocolate for the Spirit. Come back and stay tuned to other episodes. I'm going to walk you through the entire process of launching the business. Going to be having discussions with people that are foodies like myself, professional and otherwise. And please enjoy chocolate. You know, I found my chocolate when I went to Sedona, Arizona. And uh, I sort of think in a way that chocolate saved me. So it's a metaphor, really, for finding a passion that keeps you going. I hope you find your passion, too. This is Chocolatier Julie. Have a great day. You've been listening to Chocolate for the Spirit podcast. Fine chocolate lovers can fulfill their grown-up gourmet chocolate fantasies by visiting our web store, chocolateforthespirit.com. Chocolate for the Spirit, indulgence for the soul.